It's a playground. No, it's Seoul, Korea. It's a woman. No, it's a giant monster. Actually, it's colossal. Welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast, the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves. I almost couldn't say that. I'm Eric. <laughs> and I'm Alex. And this week, as we try to stay alive, we are discussing 2016's Colossal. Mm-hmm. And we do have some guests with us today joining us uh, from the studio, live from our individual studios. <laughs> we have the wives. Welcome. Welcome, Hi. wives. No names. Hi, thank you. <laughs> well, well, long-time <laughs> listeners of the show, as in they've listened to us for over a year now, probably. When, when almost, two, almost two years, Eric. Yeah, almost two years oh, we've been goodness. doing this. We, we probably had you, last time was probably about six months ago, half a year. Yeah, oh, I don't know what I did while. wrong, but it's been a while. It's, it's been, been a while. while. Yeah, you got put on probation due due to your performance. It was ninety, <laughs> wasn't it Godzilla ninety eight? No, it was Gamera Super oh, Monster. You're right. <laughs> oh, that was a classic. That's a classic episode. What about MBM. um? What about King Kong? I thought we didn't. No, I just no watched King Kong. it with you. I didn't yep. actually talk about it. <laughs> Shall we? Uh, let's let's have you reintroduce yourself, Cece. Uh, hi guys, I am Cece, Alex's wife. Uh, you're more than Alex. You're more than Alex's wife, Cece. No, I just didn't know if you guys wanted me to like talk about myself. Sure, because, go ahead. Yeah, you're um, a photographer, writer, security system personnel, freestyle beatboxer. Uh, today, I'm also a cook. You guys, I made a darn good minestrone soup. You know, I was gonna say you're you are a baker. Um, oh, yeah. Neely did all the work for me. I don't have to say anything. Look at that. Yeah. What else can you plug for her, Neely? Uh, she's got podcasts. Yeah, she's yeah. got 13 Floor Podcasts. Yeah. She's got Cecilia Page Photography. Oh, wow. Oh, that. Alex, there's a spider on the wall over there. Yeah. He's over there now. <laughs> okay, all right. Luckily, he's not colossal. No, he's not. Oh, yeah. He just fell off. So now he's oh. in the house somewhere, and I don't know where he's at. Well. It's all right. We'll catch him later. Um, and then on the other side of the microphone is my dear friend, Neely. Yes. Neely. Um, Neely is a mother of three. She's, she's Eric's wife. She's got a heart of gold. She really likes the television show hometown (laughs) on HGTV. (laughs) Yeah. She's just an excellent human being all around. And she also... At Renaissance festivals, does the joust. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. My identity is pretty tightly wound to my children right now. It's okay. You do have three of them, to be fair. I do have three. They're pretty needy. Very needy. Well, this week we are discussing Colossal uh, for our Monster Madness matchup. It tied, actually, on Patreon the last time that I checked, Alex. Oh, um, did it? But it won on Twitter. So I think we're just going to have to go with uh, Colossal. However, Well, I hope so, I since get... we're recording now. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> I did get Love and Monsters from the library. So I want to watch that. Maybe do uh, 
like a bonus little discussion on MVM Plus soon about Love and Monsters, Alex, if you're up, mm-hmm. up for that. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then next week we have uh, the three seed, Psycho Gorman versus the two seed, The Ritual. Ooh. Currently on Twitter, Psycho Gorman does have the lead. I think it's just, you know, more recent. So yeah. um, we, yeah. we'll see. that The three seed has had an upset over all the two seeds so far. So um, Interesting. I can't yeah. remember what I voted for. I just clicked something. <laughs> Jeez! Oh, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm gonna go vote. Guys, I'm not gonna tell you guys what I voted for. It was like Jay Jonah. <laughs> it's like Jay Jonah in uh, I think it's his name on Twitter. Who said he just vo- voted for Psycho Gorman because he liked the sound of the name? Oh yeah, so. Jay Jonah Jetson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because the, it has a better title. It has a better title. <laughs> that's like that's like picking the Derby winner based upon right. yeah, their name or the color of their silk. Yeah. Yep. That's what I all good betters do. For that's sure. how I do it. Yeah. <laughs> no shame. All right, Neely, you want to read our film introduction for us? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Now, did you write this for me? No, yes. you wrote this, Neely. Oh, okay. Neely wrote, wrote this. this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, sometime after she was Princess of Genovia, Anne Hathaway's life took a bitter turn. Overnight booze fest, troubled histories, and toxic relationships. In all seriousness, though, Colossal deals with all of these difficult topics and more. But to get our discussion started, I have two questions. What were your first impressions of the film? And then what was this film really about? Let's start with Cece. Meow. Okay. Well, um, I, I thought that the movie had a very strong opening scene when, you know, she goes home and it really sets her character up perfectly because it's like, you know, she's hungover, she's not in a good state and then all of her friends come in and it's like you clearly know she's not a good person but Tim breaks up with her the tragedy <laughs> so I thought that that was really well done and I got excited but then after that it took me a lot to get into this film because um, I I felt like the first half of it was very slow and it might have just been because of the actors uh, Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis because I could not get Mia Thermopolis and then Jason Sudeikis <laughs> had a character on SNL um, where he he was with Kristen Wiig, and there, it was a called the Two A Hole Skit. And so I just kept thinking of them and the, like those characters, and I could not separate that from what I was watching. So the first half of the movie, I was just really thinking about that. So I had a lot of trouble yeah. investing in the story. So you had some baggage. I had some that you baggage. brought into the movie. A lot of baggage. <laughs> And I also didn't think that the acting was up to par for the very beginning of the movie. I thought that um, Anne Hathaway's portrayal when she was inebriated was, it felt very forced to me. But um, I thought that things really picked up when they introduced the giant robot soul. So when Jason Sudeikis' character was like, oh, I'm a robot. So that was when I was like, okay, I think that I can get into this movie. But that... I can't remember how far into the movie that was, but it was quite a bit. So, right. yeah. yeah, for the first half, I was just kind of like, okay, when's this going to pick up? What's happening here? I don't know. Right. But I, and when it comes to the theme of the movie, <laughs> and I don't think about themes. Usually when I watch a movie, I'm sure that deep mm-hmm. down in my subconscious, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. But I'm not like Eric. I'm not like picking apart a movie and going, oh, the tone and the theme and all the stuff. Because I listen to your guys. Uh, episode underwater today oh (laughs) i liked your the way you broke it down but anyways i thought that it was about finding self-love and you know 
figuring out who you are and becoming comfortable in your own skin. Because both Oscar and Gloria are not comfortable with who they are, especially at the very beginning of the movie. And it feels... I did like the twist, though, when yeah, you I was realize. glad that Oscar found his way. Yeah, yeah. so was I. Man. <laughs> I was very happy with what happened to him at the very end of the movie, but... Oscar found his way somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure where. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of... That's just my... I thought that the, the juxtaposition of their character's growth with Gloria, you know, finding herself and then Oscar... Staying, I don't know if it's like he was declining or if he was just staying stagnant because I feel like he's a mm. bad person the entire time, so he just didn't mm-hmm. change. But I thought that it was a very nice juxtaposition between both of those things. Yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, as for me, I, I was actually hooked pretty quickly, uh, and I, I didn't really know a whole lot about this movie, it's like just kind of the gist and kind of what I had heard the theme was. Uh, I don't think I actually heard that theme correctly after watching this. Like I was close, but not quite. And I, again, I was hooked. Like that first scene with the monster showing up, I was surprised we got to see it so early. So right off the bat, that was that was pretty fun for me because mm-hmm. after that, we quickly cut away, uh, and that mystery of the monster is just like it's just kind of hung up for a while. It's put in the back, and I think that's actually pretty interesting because for a while, it's like how does this even tie into the rest of the movie at this point? Like, I, I don't even see how it's going to tie in because yeah, you're like, that's Korea. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Korea. We've been in the rest of this movie for 15 minutes. When is it going to tie in? Cause it doesn't make, <laughs> cause I'm still waiting mm-hmm. because from there, it kind of plays out like this typical rom-com. Like mm-hmm. I think even the acting is a little, like you kind of mentioned, it's a little overacted in a way, like a rom-com, which I really like because she leaves the boyfriend. She's in a bad situation of her own making. She goes to a small town to kind of find herself. She meets an old friend. In the normal movie, shoot, they would fall in love. Yada, yada. We all know how this movie plays out because we've seen it a million times. But in this movie, we get this monster element that changes it. Both in human and, well, monster form. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the meaning of the film kind of comes into play where she enters into this abusive relationship with someone. And, but what I do like about this is that it's not a abusive, like sexual relationship, right? There's no intimacy there, even though that's totally what Oscar would like. And that's kind of what sends him down that path earlier than maybe if things had worked out in his mind. Um, But I do like that. It came from this place of friendship, where it turns out that he's not just abusing her, though. He's mm-hmm. abusing everyone around him. He's mean. He's really mean. And also like that we find out that he's always been that way. Yeah. Right. When we get that flashback of him. Because he goes out of the way to destroy her diorama. He's evil. Mm-hmm. And so I like these elements uh, all around. Because I do think it is it is about, like you said, finding yourself. Kind of becoming at peace with yourself. And we see the two different results that can happen. If you're successful versus maybe not successful in finding yourself. Mm-hmm. So not only, and not only that, but we actually do get a really, I didn't realize it till the film was over, but we get this really interesting actual gaslighting going on by Oscar that I didn't realize was happening that he was like forcing his life onto hers. And he kept mm-hmm. acting act, like, so the TV, the TV shows up at her house. It's like, Oh, don't you remember? You asked for the TV oh, after yeah. the end of the film. I'm like, well, I don't think she actually did. 
Right. I don't think she actually asked for any of these things. And it turns out that he's been tricking her and forcing himself into her life. Yeah. Which is yeah. really interesting. Yeah. And then, yeah, it becomes that, that part almost becomes like, um, by the time all that furniture gets in her house, it's like a horror film, you know, like, yes. uh, it feels very Baroque in a sense. Right. Uh, yeah. Neely, what, what about you? My first impressions. Um, well, I was, I was very confused by the opening scene and how quickly it changed to something else. And then I was in it because probably because it kind of took that rom-com feel. I, I was sucked in and wondering what, how it was going to tie back to that opening scene. Um, and then by the end of the movie, kind of my first impressions of it overall were like, that was very unique genre, right? Because <laughs> my, I do something that Eric doesn't do, which is Google films before I watch them to get the little quick synopsis because Ooh. I, I will spend too much time thinking like, what is this about? <laughs> What's going on? And then like, I'm not following and then, or I'm not soaking up things cause I'm trying to yeah. figure it out. So where he doesn't want to know anything, I need like big picture what's going on here. And so a quick Google search will tell you comedy sci-fi. Um, but the whole second half of the film was dark dramatics. And so um, that is a whole other element really to me. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so you've got comedy, sci-fi, drama, monster movie, all in one. So um, I thought it was yep. a very unique film. Um, let's see, what was the second part of that question after first impressions? Oh, what did you think the meaning was of the film? Oh, right, the meaning. So for me, it was less uh, the sci-fi film that Google led me to believe, where <laughs> uh, it was like, oh, a woman connected, is somehow connected to a giant monster phenomenon attacking the city across the world um, for me. I was like, well, this was not really focused on that. It was more just a big metaphor, you know, like a metaphor for our own monsters, the monsters around us, how when we're acting like monsters, how that affects, you know, the people around us mm -hmm. and then how to free ourselves from those monsters. So, yeah, it was less of like the sci-fi film that I thought it was going to be yeah. in reality. <clears throat> No, the sci-fi, the sci-fi element, honestly, is pretty minimal. We don't really ever get an explanation <laughs> as to why this is happening. How she's connected yeah. to soul, I, you know. I almost There's, wish they hadn't even tried. Honestly, yeah, it, yeah. that's actually the weakest point of the film for me. But it's so minimal overall right. that I, I've kind of brushed it. Oh aside, yeah, it's like it, it, I could see it really bothering people. It could it bother people. Me. Yeah, I just didn't like. <laughs> it was so unnecessary. Right, in my opinion. Yeah, it's like you almost didn't need it uh, at all. Uh, I, they did kind of need it. They needed something to explain why only the two of them are turning into something. Because we that do see one of the friends the park. get... Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, does everyone that steps on it become a mm -hmm. monster? Like, So right. they had to do something. Like, they had to. Because they've left way too many open ends. And this way they left one really weird one. <laughs> It's yeah, <laughs> but at least like they didn't go any further with the explanation. Like, yes. or maybe you maybe it's like 
I don't know. Maybe it's that's exactly what it needed to do. It's like the explanation was always going to be forced mm-hmm. <laughs> with this sort of idea because overall the movie is more metaphorical than literal in regards to these monsters. Um, and generally my first impressions of the film, I'm actually just pretty mixed about it overall. I agree with all of you about the meanings of this film. I think the second half of the movie, though, that's where it actually falls flat for me um, for a couple of reasons. I think the opening hour is super fun. Uh, Neely and I, and this could be an issue that I have, we, we watched it, honestly, like one hour and then the next hour. And it's oh. literally after the first hour, we come back to the movie and it's right when uh, Oscar has his break. Um, so it's like his like first breakdown. So it's like literally this huge tonal shift, um, right in the middle. It was like watching two different movies whenever we watched the first half and then the second half. Um, I thought I can't stay awake. (laughs) (laughs) But I am with you, Alex. I like the mystery of this film, starting with that opening scene. We're Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out what's this connection here. Um, to these characters because I knew nothing about this film except that I had heard that it's hard to rewatch over and over again uh, because of some abuse that happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because of abuse that happens. Um, I like that slow build to find out those random connections uh, between Gloria and Oscar at the beginning. Uh, it, It does add that mystery, but I think, yeah, it's once we get that shift and the film goes dark, I had trouble connecting with it a little bit more oh. there. I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, but let's talk about that monster metaphor for a second. Do you think this would be the same movie without the monsters? Could this be a movie without the monsters? Neely, what did you think about that one? Yes, it could definitely could be a movie without the monsters. Because as we've said, that kind of is a small piece, I feel like. Um it felt more rom-com and then drama-esque, I guess, um, majority of the film. And with the casting with Anne Hathaway and Jason Sudeikis, you're like, oh, it could be a rom-com or whatever, you know. So um, it could be a movie without the monsters. I would still like it because that's just me and my personal taste. But I also th- do feel like I would like it a little more if it went full-blown monster movie and had a little more sci-fi in it and it was a little less metaphorical and um, gave us just more sci-fi monster stuff. I would like like I would like a movie that was gave us some kind of science fiction reasoning for the connections, the explanation that we were just talking about. I, I would enjoy that too. So that's why we're rewatching all of uh, the Godzilla movies soon. Me and Neely. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, no, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's interesting. This, this movie has an absurd premise, you know, and I always think whenever there's an absurd premise to a movie or to a story, you have to think to yourself, you have to suspend disbelief and think to yourself, is it worth it, right? Is it worth that suspension of disbelief? Does Do the creators um, like make it worth it in the end? I think the answer to this one is yes, right? I don't think this would be the same movie without those monsters. Uh, and it goes back to that metaphorical meaning uh, of the film. There's real impact here, real life implications of the decisions these characters are making. That's life. (laughs) Um, There are repercussions in the world around us with our big and small decisions that we make. In this film, those repercussions are just real and immediate 
and deadly because they're personified by these monsters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jeez, Louise, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get out the dictionary. I mean, CC are still going over some of the words you some used. Some of the words. No. Here's, a th- here's a thesaurus. I'll see this real quick. <laughs> I, I think that it could be a movie without the monsters, but it would be so boring. Like, I don't know. It would feel almost, what's it, Lifetime movie-esque without the <laughs> monsters because the monsters are what make it a little bit more fun and take it out of that, like, you know, Lifetime-esque <laughs> field, in my yeah. opinion. I don't know if I would want to watch it if the monsters weren't there because it would mm. just be kind of depressing. And it's like, it's good because she finds her way at the end mm-hmm. and she escapes. But I would rather have the monsters there. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it could be a movie without the monsters, uh, but it, I don't want that. Obviously, um, I've got I've gotten those movies already before that play out like this, but without the monsters. M- movies like uh, the movie Enough with Jennifer Lopez. Uh, yeah, I saw it. Um, <laughs> or a movie like uh, top ten, top or, ten movies. Or a movie like Domestic Disturbance with uh, John Travolta, Vince Vaughn. Like we've gotten movies about like abuse like this, like, and then someone having to kind of stand up to it and that type of thing. So we've already got those. We've never had anything like this. Like, this is really cool. It, it even benefits like it's, it just has this really cool benefit of the film having these ridiculous stakes for Mm -hmm. a movie that is just this very personal story. Yeah. That really isn't that big, but because there's monsters involved, like an entire city is at risk. And mm-hmm. so that it, yeah. that really makes it really unique. And the movie would not be special without it. Yeah, for Good sure. Point. Next what, question that I had, uh, we'll start with CC. Do you think this film balances the tone shift from the first to the second half? I know you already mentioned that you like the second half more. Did you see it coming at all? Um, this tone shift, and do you think it balances that shift? I I think that the shift, because I know that you liked the first half better than the second. Mm-hmm. I like the second half better, and I think that the shift was when the movie got good, in my opinion. And the first half was just boring, and it was boring to me. Um, and I think it was is because all of the characters were a bit boring, and they didn't feel they felt very two dimensional at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. But I almost feel like the shift happened so abruptly and sharply that it was a bit jarring to me. And you guys didn't get the benefit of the jar because, well, I guess you did because you split yeah. it up into two. Yeah. I, I don't, just watching it all from like beginning to end and having that happen halfway through, it felt like you were watching two different movies. Mm-hmm. It's just they both had the same monsters. And when it happened, I thought it was, it happened in a good way. I was like, oh, thank goodness something's going to happen now. But, <laughs> Oscar's character, he showed some very obvious signs of being a bit off of his rocker early on. So I think that deep down, I knew that something was going to happen with him being the center of it. But I think that I wasn't quite expecting it as much as it did occur. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am with you, Cece. I found the second half more interesting. I'm actually surprised that Eric... Like the first half better. He's on um, an island here because we all think the second half. Was yeah, um, I will. I liked the first half. I found it entertaining, but I will say once the shift happened um, and it got dark, I was 
it wasn't just entertaining. It became intriguing. And I was like, what is going on here? That kind of stuff gets me sucked in and I want to find out more. And so, um, I, yeah, I enjoyed the second half and was it, were there any audible gasps from Neely, Eric? Oh yeah. I think there were. Yeah, definitely. In the second (laughs) half, in the second half, I mean, the fireworks scene is a standout. You're just like, Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I I do disagree. I think with this general opinion, it seemed that we're forming here. Uh, I, I think the movie runs into problems at that halfway mark. Um, yeah, you, you, you all are right. There are a couple moments that lead us to that tunnel shift. That you're just like, Oscar is kind of, I mean, he's creepy because he shows up at her house and he, um, it, it, they, they even joke about him stalking her at one point. Uh, but then it's kind of played off as a joke. There's that part where he kind of dismisses her fears at like the, the um, diner where he's like, oh, just calm down, you know, like, it's okay. Uh, and he kind of makes light of her, like, uh, anxiety. And so there's a couple things that are a couple, like, red flags for me um, with his character. But after that tunnel shift and just how dark it gets, we get that quick apology of Oscars uh, after the first real terrible breakdown. And I actually think that apology is very realistic. It's what I would expect from a gaslighting, controlling abuser. However, after that initial apology, there's no turning back. The very next scene is when he goes nutso and explodes, does the exploding fireworks in his bar. I just would expect that there would be some sort of uh, like reversion period where there, there becomes like this cycle. Because we as audience members, we're invested, or at least I was. I was invested in Gloria's story um, and Gloria kind of finding her way out of um, this situation that she has kind of gotten herself into. Um, But I think we lose that actually at that shifting point um, because Oscar's turn is so dark and so extreme. Uh, We we lose that element. And I think it would be more interesting if, if Oscar had a little bit more depth, not in any sort of way that would justify the sort of abuse that he uh, is putting Gloria through, but in a way that kind of demonstrated, I think, the realistic cycle of abuse where, you know, you get abuse, apology, maybe the slightly down period where things are okay, abuse, another apology. And we're drawn in just like Gloria would probably be drawn in. I also just don't understand how Gloria, after she faces this abuse, now's the point when she decides that she's going to give up her alcoholism. I, I just felt a little bit like unrealistic because at that point, I think many people would revert even deeper into alcoholism. And I'm not sure what what changed or what clicked in Gloria for her to kind of start to get out of that rut. Um, uh, I, I don't, so I, I, like, I like her development, but I'm not sure well, if it's she earned. Didn't she didn't want to hurt make the people decisions. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, it's because she killed all those people. Yeah. And yeah. so she realized how much her alcoholism affected those around her, much like a drunk driver, mm. which she never drives drunk, but she does the equivalent. Yeah. Become a yeah. monster in us <laughs> and soul. Yeah. <laughs> Valid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm actually, your complaints about that uh, lack of reversion period, I actually kind of agree with because I, I was expecting that same thing that you were, but that's also maybe 
a problem. If the movie played out exactly the way that I expected, because I expected the reversion period, like, like you said, like typical of this type of relationship, and then he goes back. But I think him, obviously him seeing the boyfriend immediately triggered the jealousy thing that also was triggered back when she was with uh, Joel. Joel. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as she, he sees somebody with her in any facet, he completely loses it. It's true. And, I, and that's what does it. But you're right. We don't get that reversion period. Now, whether that's good or bad, I guess, is obviously up to the viewer. I I expected to see it, and I kind of wanted to see it. But then again, it was expected, which this movie, for the most part, is not, I feel like. But I did really like the... I, I actually liked the balance of the tone, or maybe even the lack thereof is what I liked. I like that the transition is like, if you looked at it on paper, you'd be like, yeah, this will, this will probably be maybe rough or I don't see it being very smooth. And in Mm -hmm. all honesty, like I had heard that this film was about abuse, but while watching it, I just kept like waiting for the abuser to appear because I didn't know who it was. And I kept waiting. I, you know, I was like, is it the boyfriend? Like, the original boyfriend, is, is he going to be the problem? He shows up. He's not really. Like, yeah, he's a little overbearing, but it's also because he's overly concerned because maybe he has a right to be. We don't, we're not really privy to the, the earlier stages of their relationship. So I'm kind of thrown off. And then I get these moments where uh, we get these, like, I'm wondering if the theme is going to be more nebulous, like something I got to dig really deep into. Like maybe it's not even there, but then we get these small warning signs from Oscar where he yells at Joel for like kind of flirting. Not, he doesn't really flirt. Oh yeah. He tries to kiss her. That's right. He tries to kiss. Well, she tries to kiss him. I can't remember. (laughs) Um, But one of them tries to kiss the other one and he gets mad at him. But the way that Oscar shifts the blame is it's almost like he says it in a way that makes it sound like Joel has done something wrong before. And he says, like, hey, we've talked about this. Like, so that maybe Joel has an issue. I was like, so maybe Joel's an abuser. That's what I was waiting like that, for. Which is really cool because that's what, that's what someone like him would do is they would shift and make someone else look like the bad person, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he would do. But it, it's kind of, I love that it throws that shade on Joel, but... It's when Oscar uh, risks everyone's life and soul by playing on the playground is that it quickly became clear how bad of a bad guy he was. Mm-hmm. Even before he realizes that who he realizes that I forgot her character's name. Gloria. Yeah. Even before he realizes Gloria and Joel had that night together, he's already playing in there before they show up. Yep. And they show up to stop him, and then that's when things really sour really quick. Mm-hmm. But he he might have show he might have went there because he suspected it because they had both left the bar before he had. But well, they, they had left at different times. But you're you're right. He could have suspected it, but he had also just found out that he could be a robot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well. I just for me, it's just a little. Um, I like how we got the hints in the first half at his sort of dark side. Um, that become even more apparent looking back on it, you know, like you don't see it as much in the moment, but then looking back, you're like, oh yeah, that was obvious. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty realistic. I think there would be moments um, after we do see his character revealed where he would still try to be like that good guy where he would at least try, you know, and like we could see through his attempts to try. 
but there's just none of that. It just becomes very, and then as you said, we find out he's been this way since he was a kid, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's just a little bit like, Hmm. I don't think we really got to the depths that we could have with this character, but with what, with what we have it, I still do really like uh, the metaphor and I like, um, kind of exploring this topic with a monster movie because we've never done it before. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely unique in that way. Hey, Neely, I liked your point that you made about casting um, with Jason Sudeikis the other mm-hmm. day. I was wondering if you could talk about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, let's see, that it was kind of what Cece mentioned earlier, how it's kind of hard to picture him in this darker uh, place as a darker character. Um, because we do know him from SNL and his comedies. And I wondered if that was intentional um, in the casting, like to even drive home this effect, this jarring shift where you're like, did not see that coming, you know, because you were, you really just picture him in this light and he sells it so well. This is the persona that he like gives off. He's this, likable guy like welcome home like it's been so long right? since i've seen you this is fun and then you're like oh my gosh he is so manipulative and crazy like it's yeah it was i wondered if it was intentional casting in yeah that realm. yeah I, I i'm inclined that's a really good point i'm inclined to think that it is yeah. intentional casting because this is a small enough movie and i feel like the first half and second half are deliberately split in a way that it's like not quite smooth. And I think this is also a deliberate choice because it plays on that rift in the middle point of the movie where he does go off his rocker. Cause like you said, like you can be a little suspicious of him, but you not only do you have like that bad, like, like CC was having or that baggage of like that expectation of a Jason Sudeikis character, because yeah. we, we've never pre- been presented with a range from him before. Yeah. And so he really nails like the nice guy, like, everything like I, I i completely disregarded him as the abuser like i, I kept thinking because i knew that there that story was here i kept waiting for it but that's the only reason he was even on my radar yeah exactly yeah exactly as i said it's easier to see those moments looking back than it was like in the moment even which i think is really well done yeah. uh, on the movie's and behalf there's something that we didn't even talk about and it's the impact of like an abuser and those that stand by and watch it happen, which we see with Joel. He's like mm-hmm. one of these complicit people who sees something happen, but doesn't say anything about it. Mm. I just, there's just a lot of that going on that I just, I think this movie, I just liked what it has to say. It's got a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, Hey, well, we talk about more, not necessarily colossal, but we talk about a whole lot more on MVM plus over at <laughs> patreon.com slash MVM pod. Is that what it is? Yeah. Patreon.com slash MVM pod. Uh, today we talk about uh, three-year-old daughter's excuses to stay up at night uh, <laughs> with our Neely and CC join us. As we talk about that, we get CC's uh, take on Dragon Ball Z and we get Neely's take on Marvel movies. So it's a little bit of everything. Uh, you've ever wanted. You've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, including a little discussion about hometown. Yeah. A little discussion about hometown. <laughs> hey, we might may or may not be sponsored by HGTV, so it's like we got to plug that. You know? Alex may or may not apologize for um, 
<laughs> Alex may oh, or may boy. not apologize for. I, I was a little cheeky for Eric. teaming up against <laughs> David last week on MVM yeah. Plus, but, uh, but oh well. And also, don't forget, the, uh, there's this little connection between hometown and what we're doing now. <gasps> Discovery plot. Discovery is now in charge of Legendary, who's in charge of King Kong. So there could be a hometown crossover with Godzilla and King Kong. Wow. That would be great. Or that guys grocery games crossover. No, I could see I could see it. It would be it would be the host of Hometown going and rebuilding yeah. after yeah. King Kong mm-hmm. destroys a town. Yeah. Now we didn't we didn't talk about any of this on MVM Plus, but you got to enjoy a little nugget of what MVM Plus is all about. <laughs> <laughs> oh man well let's go ahead and get into our awards then uh we'll start with the coolest character award alex it's your honor to start yes i'm gonna go with gloria um she doesn't start out the coolest character that's for sure but <laughs> i think she ends up being there because she is the one that obviously she has the most most growth but she also slings a man like five miles at least <laughs> which is pretty cool uh, <laughs> But really, it's when she does become sober, the amount of backbone that she has, I really appreciate. Like the, the drinking scene, I fully expected her to take that drink mm. uh, because that is like an impossible situation to be in. You know, sacrifice a bunch of people potentially for one beer, which would inevitably have ended up as more and more beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to see her stand up for herself like that in that situation was really cool. That is cool. Cece? Oh, it's my turn? Yeah. Um, I I went with the character of Tim, which I don't think is a fan favorite, but that is Gloria's ex-boyfriend. Oh, wow. Yeah. The Bold reason, choice, Cotton. Well, the reason, the reason I went with him was just because everybody else, I don't know, I, I think it was just the way they were portrayed in the very first half of the movie. Like, they, I just didn't find them to be very interesting. And granted, Oscar became very interesting. He'd probably be... I don't know if he's coolest, but most no, interesting. No, he's not coolest. No, he's not cool, but just <laughs> different. But Tim, he kicked Gloria to the side, actually because he cared about her, because he didn't like, in my opinion, it was kind of like a, hopefully this will wake you up, because he mm. tries to go back to her, and, you know, he expresses like, I'm. So, he was kind of mean, but he was also like, I love you, and I still want to be with you, and come with me, and... She would have if it hadn't been for yeah. Cuckoo Bananas Oscar. Now, I could see people interpreting his behavior as abusive. I don't know if you all would or not. Mm-hmm. But you could also interpret it as someone who has really cared and really put up with a lot. And they're kind of at their wits end with trust. I think I think and that I, could, I, I... I could see both sides. I, yeah, and I think that I have a different perspective just because I do come from a family... My mother was an alcoholic growing up. So it's like, I know what it's like to live in a situation like that. And sometimes you do come to a point where you're like, I can't do this anymore. And Mm -hmm. so in my opinion, I don't, I don't know. I didn't view him as overly abusive, even though he was, because when, when people put you in situations where it's like, they're not willing to, you know, try to become better Mm -hmm. and fight their vices and take care of themselves, you get angry and you say things. So when he did say those mean things to her at the hotel, it was mean. But also, I think that he was just at the end of his line. He's like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So this is very. There's that moment 
though. I'm with you, actually. Like, I think he he was setting boundaries, and he probably did it in a pretty like forceful way by packing her bags for her and like leaving them on the bed. Right? It was like that was kind of extreme. Um, but there is that point towards the end of the movie. I'm, I'm slightly forgetting the exact wording of Gloria's character, what she says when she's talking to him on the phone. And it almost implies like that Gloria's behavior was caused by the way that Tim treated her. Right. Like, I, I don't know. That part didn't quite sit with me. Right. Um, but I, cause I, cause I do, I'm with you, Cece. I think Tim um, was trying to help her at the beginning. It may not have been the best way possible, no, but I do think he, to. yeah, I do think he cared. I do think he cared. I think um, he cared. What yeah. about you, Neely? Uh, I'm going to go with Gloria also as Alex did, because, Ooh. you know, Mia Thermopolis, princess of Genovia. Um, <laughs> I just got to go with my girl here. Um, people, I think people harp on Anne Hathaway and like, consider her kind of unlikable. Um, in a lot of films, but I like her. I like her. I've always liked her. She's princess. And, um, (laughs) I thought she had a good performance in this film as well. She, I thought she did not overact, um, which I think would be easy to do in this kind of bizarre storyline, but she managed to, remain this very kind of relatable woman. She's lost her job. She's stuck in a cycle of bad relationships and too much booze. Um, I don't know. I, she seemed very, I mean, she just did the role. Well, I thought it didn't feel overacted to me and um, I enjoyed her character and the whole path that she took from beginning to end. So, um, my, my coolest character, he's not super cool, but you guys took no, the other not. ones. So uh, <laughs> I'm going with Joel. Um, Joel, and you mentioned him, Alex. As like elaborate, person, elaborate. Well, you, you mentioned him as like this person that uh, didn't really do anything. But that's not 100% true. Um, or like he didn't do anything in the face of Oscar's abuse, right? right. That, that's what you said. He did not. Um, that's not a hundred percent true because he does go, he's the one that goes and checks up on Gloria by himself. After yeah. The fact. But he sneaks away to do it. Yeah. Because but he's a victim because her... he's a victim of abuse himself. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, exactly. It's like that, like that's, uh, he is, he's a victim in a sense. He's not like, he's not the character that you think he is, you know, at the beginning. Uh, he's not like this, playboy type of character he's actually like very hesitant she comes on to him um Mm -hmm. he's just it's interesting because i i do think he's kind of a victim as well and like at the end of the movie you know when he sees her which that scene might be a little bit over the top when he like sees her on the tv walking there and realizes what has happened you realize like he's not a bad character in a movie that has a couple you know, bad characters. Um, he he's he's not too bad in no. the scheme of things. No, he he's not a bad guy. He's just a coward, which is very different. I think that I don't know. He just kind of his character just kind of annoyed me. You didn't like him. I didn't like him. There was just something about him where it was just like I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because he wasn't doing anything, which I understand is due to the position he was in. 
But I don't know. At the very I almost end, think that was like part of what his role was supposed to be that was given to him was like yeah. he wasn't necessarily – he was not supposed to do anything right. It kind of added this element. I'm picturing like when he's in the truck with Oscar and Anne Hathaway, Gloria is there – they're talking. She's trying to stop him. She's standing in front of the truck. It's like that awkward element that Joel adds by being present there and just mm-hmm. kind of watching the whole thing going. It's well, like how we feel watching that situation. It, and so I don't know. Maybe that was kind of it. Kind point. of reminded me of a child in an alcoholic's life. Like True. if an alcoholic has a child, the child doesn't know what to do. The child just kind of sits there and is like, I can't do anything. Yeah. Right. So it also showed the power Oscar had over. Okay. Maybe, I, maybe, him. maybe I understand him better now. <laughs> I, again, I don't think he's, oh, I don't think he's necessarily cool. Uh, yeah. He's an odd choice for coolest character award. I just think he's, but we only had four or five choices. Yeah, there were only yeah, a couple choices. All right. Let's just pick, let's just all pick Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Next time we'll just off to the Oscar. True. <laughs> Most memorable line award. Uh, I'll start with this one. And it is a line from Oscar, actually. And it's after he's um, lit the fireworks in his bar and Tim leaves and he kind of gives that little speech to Gloria. And Oscar's like, what a schmuck. Right. Uh, and it's just absolutely ridiculous and just underscores how he mm. can't. He, he's. He, I don't know, and this maybe is is uh, a compliment to Sudeikis' performance. I'm not sure if Oscar is fully self-aware or if he's aware and just like that bad, right? Where he's like, right. he's literally just kind of rubbing it in or if he's literally like, he's a schmuck. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is. It could be either one, um, but but that line stuck with me for sure. Yeah. What about you, Alex? Uh, mine's going to be, it's an effing Wes Anderson movie in here. <laughs> uh, it's it, That's a line said by Gloria. The reason I really liked it is it showed how inebriated she was because it looked nothing like any Wes Anderson movie I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 oh, funny. Only only a little bit quirky, right? Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it was like a little quirky, but it had no traits whatsoever no. Other, than, <laughs> other than that, which was hilarious to me. I think that my most memorable award or my most memorable line award was when Oscar said, I just did the most irresponsible thing you can do in this bar. And you know what? Even so, Gloria is not going to leave with you. And it's right after he lit Mm. off the firework. He's clearly showing all of his true colors. And I think I knew that he was off his rocker and just cuckoo bananas earlier than that. But that line stuck with me because it's like, oh, man, he really does have a grip on her because she can't leave. Like, she can't leave or he is going to destroy a city. Or he thinks she can't. And she does. (sighs) She tried to. She tried. She she, she did. She threw him across. She Yeah, she did. But they had that fight, though, after. Oh, yeah. Was that after the... Yeah, that was after the fireworks, right? Yeah, remember she goes home after the fireworks because right. she can't leave yeah, him, and then right. he's just sitting in her yeah. house like a creeper. That yeah. that oh, that did make me that. jump when she goes in the room and he's just oh, like yeah. sitting there. Like, oh, yeah. oh. But that was the moment in the movie where I was just like, oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> Neil, well, what about you? For me, uh, this seems obvious to me, but maybe no one else wanted to say it. 
Uh, it's at the very end where Oscar <laughs> is seemingly afraid in her grasp in her hand and begging Gloria to put her down. And for a split second, you think he's afraid. But then he says, put me down, you effing female dog. <laughs> and then she tosses him into oblivion. And it was amazing. Yeah, I do like that turn. That's a good point. Like where you do, you think you think. Maybe he's being serious. Yeah, well, you think that he's, like, genuinely terrified. And he is. But then he shows his true colors again. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, but then he calls uh, her It just became a lot easier to throw you again. <laughs> exactly. It was great. Um, can't believe the acting award. Cece, let's start with you. Okay, so you guys know that I had some issues with some of the acting in the movie. Even though I will say that I thought that Oscar's portrayal, or Jason Sudeikis' portrayal of Oscar was very good because he flipped a switch. But those extras in Soul, you guys, who are running from those <laughs> robots, every time there was a, a scene in Soul, and I, I think it's just because Alex and I have done extra work before, and so I pay more attention to extras in movies than I probably should. <laughs> but in this movie, particularly, I paid a lot of attention to them. I gotta looked, go back and watch those guys now. They yeah. were good. They were good when they were cheering, when you know the robot and the monster were stopping and all that stuff. They were good. You should start a new podcast about extras. You just review the extras work in all movies. There are some extras out there that are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They really set the movie off. So, Neely, what was your, your can't-believe-that acting award? I was going to say Jason Sudeikis. I know we've, like I said, we've got five people maybe to choose from, but his acting, I think we've gone on and on about how we had this – idea in our mind um about which was potentially intentional this character gives off this very likable vibe as we know him from other shows and films so when he turns very dark halfway through it takes us all by surprise um of course looking back we see the hints but it's like we totally overlooked them um the initially and then his acting um, as the manipulative, abusive, and controlling drunk is also very convincing um, in a very cringy to watch kind of way. Like that scene that uh, you just mentioned, Cece, where when she comes back home and he's sitting in that chair waiting for her, you're just like, oh my gosh, like yeah. he is scary. So um, mm. yeah, I thought all around he um, he did a great job. So. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think Jason Sudeikis probably did the best job, but I'm gonna go with my man Garth. Garth, yeah, Ooh. party on Garth. Um, yeah, Tim Blake Nelson. He he's a really great actor. I wish he was in more stuff, actually. But he uh, he did a really great job being like this, like really friendly, because he probably has he has the least screen time of any of the characters, mm-hmm. and he is just really lovable. I felt so sorry like for him. And, and, and like, then the way, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you can tell that he's, he's actually a good guy, but he's also in this situation where he's been being manipulated. It turns out he's doing Coke in the bathrooms and he has this pride that he's been sober. And it turns out like he knows that everyone knows that he's not sober, which seems to obviously make a difference because now his like facade has kind of dropped and he's just so, but he's, he just cares. Like he, you can tell, he wants to go drop the. He wants to lift the projector up instead of yeah, 
instead of her. And just the way he acts with the character, he just felt really genuine. He's probably one of the most genuine characters I feel like in the movie. Yeah. Most well, people acted too. He was who I was going to go with. Uh, that's still yours? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's all right. Tim Nelson, he's uh, he's a character a- actor uh, for sure. <laughs> uh, like he's a Coen brother favorite. I, I really like him and just about everything that he's in. Um, but here, I, I love that scene where Oscar does kind of reveal what he's doing, you know, in the bathroom or maybe not. I I think you could interpret that either way, like either Oscar's lying and, and making a big deal about it, or he actually is um, just has this facade that he wants to keep up. Um, I, I feel bad for him. And there's, there's that moment where he, he acts like he wants to do something, but we all know he's powerless to actually do anything. And Oscar can just yell over him at any time and it just escalates and he's powerless. It's just really Really well done. Uh, you feel for him in those moments. Um, so Tim Nelson is my can't believe the acting award. Um, standout effect award, though. Neely. Oh, man. I'm up first here. Okay. Um, standout effect. I found very difficult to choose one because it's not really an effects-driven movie. But um, And even if it was, I'm not super well-versed in effects and what all goes into them um but i'm gonna say the creation of the monster itself so gloria's monster portrayal um to me it looked like a conglomeration of several monsters and so get ready for this name dropping that's going to make me sound like i know a lot more than i really do but okay it's pointy head uh, rib, in scientific going, terms, yeah, pointy head and like two different kind of horn directions reminded me of Gamora. You know, as I'm sure you all know, that Ultraman monster that I only know because Theo has a Gamora figure that he plays with. Oh, I see it. Okay, okay. Yeah. and then the close up of its face reminded me of Pigman, another oh, wow. Ultraman monster that Theo has a really cool print of in his room. Shout out to it. Lisa. You know, Lisa Nafziger. Is, uh-huh. yeah. is that her uh-huh. name? Yeah. Yep. You guys have had her on before, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. So I know who that is. But then it was this tall, lanky kind of thing, creature, which reminded me of Groot from Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, probably because we've been going through the MCU. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I was like, I didn't know a bunch of effects. I couldn't really pick out a bunch wow, of those, effects. And so I'm honestly impressed by those Ultraman references, Neely. Yeah, it looked just like him. You go back, you look at his face, you see Pigman, that close up of its face, and then the yep. horns. It's like Pigman's Gamora. my favorite. Eric has never loved you more. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's me, the monster. Okay. What about you, Eric? Uh, mine is just the monster roar at Oscar at the end. Um, it's the first time we hear anything from the monster, I think. I, think I, might, I might be wrong about that. But it was just powerful and a nice personification of glorious feelings in that moment. Um, yeah, that so, was yeah, awesome. the monster That roared. was another close-up. Like, you actually saw its teeth you yeah. know, when she roared at him. Yeah. What, what's, what's teeth did it have, Neely? What kind oh, of teeth? Oh, shoot. <laughs> the Cheshire cat from Alice. There you go. <laughs> there there you go. That's a good one. <laughs> yep. Cece, what about you? Um, I, cause I don't think that this was a very effects driven movie either. Like, yeah, we had a monster, but 
I went with the firework that went off in That's the barn. That's a great choice. Because That's a great choice. That was a big firework. It was a big firework. <laughs> and also, pyrotechnics are very difficult. Like, you, you have one shot, usually, in most cases, unless True. you're, like, a huge high-budget film. But, you know, you, you light it off, and then you've got, you've got to watch where everything goes. It's just scary, even though I don't know how much of it was actually real and how much of it was added in. But Not real. I liked it. It, it made me happy. All right, and then my my effect. It's a twofer. It's actually both my. But that's a good shot and my standout effect. Oh wow! Yeah. So mine is the stomping when he knocks Gloria to the ground and he's stomping, and you hear all the screams mm-hmm. while he, he stomps Ew. down, like that slow mo and ground shaking. Yes. Oscar stomping through the mulch of the playground. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because. The, the sound design in that moment really illustrates like how much death and destruction he's causing without showing really any real effects, mm. which is a really cool like way to avoid spending money, A, and <laughs> yeah. B, very visually illustrate something, mm. even if you can't see it. And then as for, oh, that's a good shot, it's that combination, baby. It's that combination. It's that combo. Yeah. Two so. It's just, it's a pretty horrifying moment. Even if I do think Anne Hathaway's acting in that one moment is a little It was a little heavy-handed. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, it didn't look like you got hit that hard. So, move a little bit. But <laughs> I also understand, like, you know, this is a dramatic scene of the movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I really love that shot in that whole moment. Mm-hmm. Neely, what about your That's a Good Shot Award. Mine was when uh, Gloria was standing in front of the TV in her house watching the news and the camera is on her face. But then this is after the first time she's kind of testing out her theory of like, is she this monster? And um, so she's watching the news. She runs home to see the camera angle shifts to behind her head. And then you see on this TV screen, the monster's arms go up to its sides just like she did in the park i just i really like that shot that one stood out to me quite that a bit awesome. yeah. Yeah, that, that visual is so funny it's just so like funny. this giant monster doing these weird movements yeah i loved it <laughs> yeah that one's great cc i i had a lot of trouble coming up with a shot um but then i remembered at the very beginning of the movie when she goes back to her little hometown and she takes a step in her backyard, and there's just the eerie-looking pool with all the leaves in it. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, that pool, the pool looks pretty cool. Um, I don't know why. I have a feeling it's going <laughs> to pop back in here, and wow. it does. And I that don't is even actually, remember that. Yeah, yeah me neither. I, awesome. Well, I remember – yeah, anyways. Um, when Jason Sudeikis jumped out of the window into the pool, and he, he's like menacingly walking through all of the dead leaves that are in the pool. Oh, yeah. I, I just kind of like that shot. I thought that it really showed how crazy he was. He's willing to jump out of a window into a pool. Disgusting. Yeah, it was not a deep pool, yeah. or pool, so he could have broken his legs. What if that was the end of the movie, you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact, all the dead leaves, each one was a representative of each individual he was about to kill. Oh, my gosh, Alex. Oh, that got dark. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> Eric, what about you? Uh, mine is uh, at the end, and it's the shot of Gloria in Seoul walking straight towards the machine and Oscar. And it feels like, you know, kind of like the sea parts for her in mm-hmm. a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just walks straight up to it. Um, 
it's chaotic, but uh, I, I really like a, a, a shot that has some nice symmetry, and I thought that one had uh, nice symmetry. There were a couple shots, very like Wes that. Anderson moment. It was actually like <laughs> that. That's what was funny is that 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 shout out to Wes Anderson. Is there are a couple moments where um, you could tell the director was thinking kind of like about the symmetry, like even in the shot that Neely mentioned, you know, where she's right behind the TV and you see the two arms come up mm-hmm. as she's watching it. That's kind of one of those quirky, like symmetrical sort of moments. There are a few other moments at the beginning whenever she's like going into the town um, that have that sort of symmetrical feel. And then there at the end, uh, you, you get it again as she walks towards uh, Oscar or mm. the machine that is Oscar in Seoul. So. Mm. Wow, it's yeah. almost like you critique films like regularly. <laughs> <laughs> every week, every week. It's almost <laughs> like we do it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's do a rating and ranking then. Um, Neely, I'm curious, out of five, because Neely, I, I never know what she's going to rate a movie. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, what would you give this movie oh, out of five? Five and, and, gasps. Out yeah, of five. five gasps yeah. out of five. <laughs> What would you give this movie out of five? Oh Why gosh. would you give it that? I was going to say two and a half uh, because two seems really harsh, but three, I don't know, felt a little generous. Like it's not a terrible movie, but to me, it's just not outstanding either. Um, had good acting, a very unique storyline, Um but it didn't really fall like all pieced together for me. And I know the director didn't intend for it to all make sense, but it's just a personal preference of mine. Like the whole explanation thing with soul and her connection and the little project and the Korean flag. And, you know, we're like, Oh, okay. I kind of see it. I guess they probably shouldn't have gone any further with it. Cause then it would have been too far. So maybe it was kind of left like that intentionally, but for me, I I don't know. I, I guess two and a half. I don't know. I kind of lean towards three after our discussion because I'm so happy I enjoyed our discussion. And I'm like, <laughs> these are some great characters. And I mean, Eric even convinced us that Joel is the coolest character. So it's like maybe a three. I, I, I Maybe a three. That was, that was kind of harsh. That was harsher than I thought. I, yeah. For me, uh, <laughs> I would say a 3.5. Uh, out of five because of a couple of the issues that that I had with the film. I think it's incredibly unique. I actually think most of the characters are really well done. I wish there was a bit more nuance in the second half of the film. Um, but other than that, I, I, I can't complain too much about the effects. I can't complain about the monsters. Uh, I can't complain about the side characters. Um, this is something that I would definitely recommend to, to just about anyone. I think that even someone not interested in giant monster movies, I think I could recommend this movie um, as a movie that deals with a serious topic in a unique, unique way. So I would give this a 3.5 out of five. Cece. I think, I, I think I agree with you. I think I would give it a 3.5. It had its merits and I did enjoy it. Because it was, as you said, unique. Like, I can't say that I've ever seen a movie like this before. So it it had its moments where I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. But I think for me, it's more so about the, the just the rules of the universe and how they explained the monsters. That kind of took me out of it because it's just so far-fetched. And I didn't understand how she was able to, like, track down 
the specific place and soul that she needed to stand in order to grab, you know. True. She looked at where the monster showed up. Yeah, and then but, she went to where the monster showed up when she whenever she walked into the thing. Yeah, but, but I also good. understand you. I, I don't. It just it seemed. I liked how it revealed. Like, oh, she figured out to go to Seoul when the the map flipped upside down. But mm-hmm. I still, I don't know that that really kind of that, and then just the characters at the very beginning feeling flat. Hmm. I think that that's why I would give it a three point five. Okay. What about you, uh, Alex? Yeah, I'm a fan of this one. And normally I get hung up on the same things that you, Neely, and the UCC got hung up on, like the rules of the universe. That's like a huge pet peeve of mine when I'm watching a movie. Mm -hmm. And it really upsets me whenever like rules are not established or they're frequently broken. Mm -hmm. But for this film, for some reason, they don't bother me like they usually do. And I think it's partly because this film is doing so much different. Mm-hmm. Partly because while I'm watching the film, I'm like, there's no way they're going to satisfy me. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I'm thinking about the rules. I'm like, there's no way they're yeah. going to be able to explain this whole thing to me. And it's just like, it's almost vague enough to where it doesn't create a problem for me. Sure. And because of the way the first half is very different from the second half. I do think that people are overacting in the first half on purpose to give a different vibe to the film, to what it does become Mm -hmm. and the various messages and characters that symbolize all these different things that happen in the face of abuse. I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of 5 for me. This is, this is this is a high mark for me. Alex I really like this movie. It. Okay, I'm definitely a 3, Alex. I'm definitely a 3. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I, I could tell by Alex's tone. I knew he liked it. I was thinking a 4, though. I, I was thinking a 4.5, and so I was surprised when Neely was like a 2.5, because based off Neely's tone, I was like, yeah, oh, she's, probably like, she's probably like a four. I'm a harsh ne- critic. You yeah, guys. she is. <laughs> Neely Neely, Neely's review was more surprising than this movie, and that's saying yeah. something. <laughs> I think. Well, Neely just went all Oscar on us, and she was all nice the first half, and then she gets to her review, and she's like, "It's a two. <laughs> I, I mean, if, I, if I'm generous, I could probably give it a two point five. <laughs> I think that if I remember correctly, I think that Neely, you've given all of the movies we've watched together the lowest ratings out of everybody. <laughs> I know, I have. <laughs> Interesting. But that that's just your scale though. Yeah, yeah. it's just yeah. your scale. And then we watch Iron Man, which we which we talk about on MVM <laughs> Plus, by the way. We wa- we watch Iron Man. I'm like, so what would you give Iron Man? Five out of five. Five out of five. <laughs> yeah. Iron Man deserves a five out of five. Yeah, though. I agree. Oh, that's, that's a five out of five. Good for you, Neely. Eric, do not shame her Iron Man rating, which is correct. Not, it's just <laughs> <laughs> He's just showing you that. It's just I you don't do know what a... to expect. It's just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, what he's showing you is that I had low expectations for these Marvel films and that I wouldn't be sucked in, but I was totally sucked in and gasping the entire ending of the film and then like, <laughs> oh, that was a five. And then I have this expectation of these monster movies. But like, why? Oh. You watched Gamera Super Monster and Godzilla 98. Why do you have expectations? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Because you guys bring me in for these like weird random yeah mostly un- <laughs> people don't like films and so i think most people like colossal yes um, Colo- I, I saw some, uh, I, I saw someone put this in their top four of like the decade mm-hmm. which uh, this this was one person just just someone put their top four monster movies it's like no it wasn't like a publication or anything like that and i was like i looked at it and i was like 
that's probably absurd. And now I've watched it and I'm like, it's maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> like, uh, just its uniqueness really in, alone is like, wow, that's yes. cool. I love that they tackled yeah, it that. Is, yeah, the, that you're right. That uniqueness really elevates it for me. Well, Alex, next week we have Psycho Gorman versus The Ritual. Did you come up with the rhyme? I hate some of these matchups, man. Like, I want to, I want to watch both of these. I actually did. I, I was cackling to my. Uh, I've already said. I've already, I've already overhyped it. I'm he sorry, was, everybody. He was giggling to himself because as I, he wrote this. I looked out. at it and I was like, I wrote the first thing that came to mind, <laughs> and I was so proud of it. And now I've already overhyped it. Everyone's gonna be disappointed in me. That's okay. Well, the um, the CC. <laughs> did you have a rhyme this time, CC? No, I didn't. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, just, no, don't no. worry. I'll okay. buy you some time. Oh, I'm good. <laughs> well, I was just trying to buy you some time, Alex. Eric just to, wrote to, his like two seconds to ago. To kill off the hype. Uh, but Alex, you can go ahead, man. Okay. If we watch Psycho Gorman, I hope it's not a bore man. But if it, And if it's a ritual, I know that praise is habitual. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's so good. My, mine has no relation to the movies at all. And it's just the first thing I thought of. So mine's what? bad, too. Yeah. Is it his... Will Sykin, Sykin, Well, <laughs> will the ritual be the winner or will Psycho Gorman eat its dinner? Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you were saying like you're going to do a rhyme about Property Brothers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why harping on Property Brothers, Alex? <laughs> I got beef. <laughs> I got beef. I'll, t- I'll just save that for the next MVM. No. There we go. <laughs> um, Cece, would you like to close this off? Uh, oh, I didn't realize that I was closing everybody. Oh, one second. Let me turn the laptop to oh, myself. Oh, yeah. I didn't see that. Oh, look at you. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. It's got my little name next to it. Okay. Um, you guys can follow Alex and Eric's podcast on Twitter and Instagram at MVMPod. Uh, underscore pod. Oh, underscore pod. <laughs> MVM underscore pod. You can also email them at MVMPod at gmail.com or leave us feedback at MVMPod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash MVMPod and receive weekly bonus off-the-cuff episodes. If you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornett. Executive producers are Faye Basier and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives. Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, uh, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until Until next week. week. Try Try to stay alive. It is it showed how inebriated she was because it looked nothing like any Willis Anderson movie I've ever seen. <laughs> 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 oh, it's funny.